I'm Lori. Welcome to Homeschool Confessions. And I'm Erica. And today we are going to talk about music, which we sort of talked about last time. And we wanted to get carried away and didn't. So we're going to get carried away this day. <laughs> no, so, Erica, you're, um, you're going to get yeah. carried away. I mean, it's true. It's that's true. That's true. I'll try to tone it down. I'll try not to get too terribly excited. Um, but I do love music. So one thing that I thought, which we sort of touched on a little bit last week, um, is that, um, I feel like there is a, I'm going to not be able to think of the word, um, not a catch 22. So there's, there's sort of this element in, in Christianity, I feel like, or in, in the bulk of it where, um, arts in general are really left out. Would you agree with that sentiment? Yes. Yeah. We're talking about the Christian world, right? Not the homeschool world. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was not encouraged to really get involved too much with art when I was younger. And I think a lot of that is there's a lot of art out there that's just, you know, borders on inappropriate. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a legitimate reason why a lot of Christians are, you know, weary of art. Like I, one of the things that that we have done with our kids, because I'm not really weary of art, is uh, is go to the art museum. Anytime we're in like a new city, we'll go to an art museum. You know, like we just traveled mm-hmm. west, and one of the places we stopped there was this. <laughs> it was actually a a gun museum. So my kids were like, "Oh, we have to go to this gun museum." Well, it had an art museum component, and they were just as excited to go to the art museum as well. And uh, Mm-hmm. We go, but at the same time, I'm always looking out like, oh, maybe, you know, oh, let's not stay here too long. Or or if there's a modern right. art museum, I usually avoid it just because mm-hmm. that's usually a sign of like, <laughs> ah, yeah, don't go there. <laughs> probably not. And it's probably, I mean, I'm going to make this statement and it's going to be very controversial. Okay. But it's probably also not very good. And I'm saying that, I'm sorry. But well, I'm I'm saying I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Okay, so you know, like you know, if you're scrolling through like YouTube or whatever, it'll show weird things, like unrelated to things you've watched before. And sometimes I'll see like different art videos. And the other day was where I really was, I I just it was the last straw. Like I've had enough of this. Okay, so it was some woman, and she was being lauded by all of these you know, newspapers nationwide as this genius artist because she lays a canvas on the floor. <laughs> I can't even, I can't, I'm not, I can't handle it. She lays a canvas on the floor and dips a mop in paint and then swirls on the canvas with the mop. <laughs> Wait, a, a mop? Did you say a mop? A mop. Or a moth? A mop. Okay. No, no, a mop. I was like, thinking you ring a mop. <laughs> I was thinking of moth and I was like, whoa, that's not very friendly of her. No, no, I'm up. And, and it was like, you know, when you see something and it's like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, I'm sorry. I don't have any patience for that. So like when I went, and I mean, the, the fact is, I'll be honest, I'm a fan of realism. Um, I'm not a huge fan of 
impressionism. Um, but when I saw the mop lady and I thought <laughs> the fact that somebody would pay like $5,000 for this figure eight, she just made with blue paint and her mop. I just, it, it just makes me cringe like really bad. Okay. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I do. <laughs> I don't think that you're a genius if you do that. I think you're smart that you've duped people into spending thousands of dollars for your art. I don't think you're an artist just because you've swept a mop across a campus. You know what well, I'm saying? I guess, yeah, I guess we have to figure out what the definition of artist is because she's she is in a form or in a way expressing herself. Like, I don't understand. I've been to I an express art myself once a week with my mop. <laughs> And I feel like I, I feel like I could charge admission to these loonies who are willing to pay and be like, I'd like to introduce you to what I call invisible art. It's not, you can't see it with the naked eye, but all over the floor is an impressionist story of my life. You do realize that I there just is made art, my <laughs> There is an art museum with invisible art. Did you know that? No, I can't. No, I can't. See, I can't talk about this. You don't want me to get riled up. I'm going to get riled up. Okay. It is a thing. I, it's a thing. I cannot do this. Okay. What I can do, however, is we should, we should go back because I will go off the deep end here. Um, we should go back because I'm not necessarily even, uh, I don't need to criticize other people's art or what they consider art or whatever. Okay. I bet that's not my job, thankfully. Um, although maybe it should be. Um, but okay. So I grew up, um, in a pretty normal conservative Christian home. So we knew what to stay away from. Um, no, no art books. Okay. Like right away, unless it was very specific, you know, um, most music, if it wasn't classical or, like hymns, like we weren't allowed to listen to them. So, um, with, with the, you know, in good intention by my parents, I mean, it was, um, they were doing what they thought was necessary. They were trying to protect us from hearing filth, which to concur, there is a lot of filth out there. Um, but I think that there was an element of, um, sort of a neglect of part of the world that God created. And I think that that still happens um, within, you know, Christendom. It's still, it's still sort of an, a nervous um, element within the culture, right? Like we have, like we have a young people who love contemporary Christian bands and most of the time I would say to, to a fault, like they're not, they're not filtering through like what the, what the meaning of the song is, but it's clean, right? Like you have, you have movie filters where you can watch any movie you want and it'll take out the bad words, but it doesn't help you with anything else. Like, you know what I mean? So like we, we have this sort of emphasis on content and less emphasis on character. And I think those things go hand in hand with our problem with art and music and science in the Christian community. Are you still, are you still listening or am I? Are, yes, I, I am. I'm that? still here. And I'm thinking about what you're saying. There's so much. So to go back to what you said originally, and I'm sorry if the wind is, is really strong. I, 
I, for some reason, I thought, I'm going to go for a walk while I talk to Erica today, which I thought was a good idea. But now I'm, I'm second guessing because I'm like, oh, the world is um, But anyway, so go back to what you said about realism versus impressionism earlier, like, and the woman with the mop, like, yeah, I don't, I don't really see that as art. I see her expressing herself, but people express themselves with really cool t-shirts and, uh, you know, I don't throw money at them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I get that. I actually really like impressionism as an art form. Like I really like Monet and I've seen some really cool stuff that gives you this vision. And it's like the message behind the message. I really like that. Um, yeah. But that's a preference thing, you know? And so then as at the same time, as we're bringing up the caveats and the warnings about art, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, as Christians, I think it is good and right that we proceed with caution, mm-hmm. right? That we are aware of the art forms, music or visual art um, or theatrical art, right? Or yeah, movies is an art form that we proceed with caution and we look at them. But at the same time, as you're saying, to just say, okay, contemporary Christian music or cut out the bad words in the movie, it's almost like we've dissected the art form. And the thing about art is it's not just the sum of its parts. It's a whole entity. It's a whole product, right? Right. One of the examples I give to my kids is, and and we've talked about before, right, is the concept of a war movie where we let our our older kids watch a war movie and talk about something that happened in history. That's a whole entity, a whole creation. And I expect there to be things in it that I don't necessarily approve of as a Christian, but to remove Mm -hmm. them and to dissect that is to actually convey and communicate an inaccurate story. Right. I mean, there are, there are points though. I mean, like there are things that my family and I will watch and we can fast forward the scene where they're making out on the bed. Like we're not detra- detaching <laughs> or detracting from the story by not watching the makeout scene. What are right? you like, guys watching? That can be <laughs> <the makeout scene. laughs> like, what? Absolutely. Skip over that part. I don't even know why that's in there. And that's the other thing. Sometimes a modern art, and this is I'm not a huge fan of modern art, but a modern art form does contain parts that actually don't contribute to the whole, right? But so we need to be and careful. And that's notorious not to cut out in stuff. Hollywood. Like there's right, so many exactly. unnecessary things. Yeah, right. We, we need to be careful about cutting out too much stuff because what you right. end up getting is this super sterile, like contemporary Christian whatever that actually is not a very good message. Exactly, or, and we're not cutting anything out, and then you end up seeing makeout scenes when you don't want to, which is really exactly. not cool. Exactly. And I think that to me, like, that's the worst, that's the worst part. It's almost like there's an attitude of you either throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, we, we are Christians. We do not watch movies. Or you say, we'll watch anything as long as there's no sex or language. It's fine. When it's like, whoa, that's not true. (laughs) I mean, I would rather my kids hear a couple swear words and, and watch a great film than watch a totally clean film where the characters are something I would never want them emulating. The underlying message is anti-God. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like we have to have that discernment. 
Right. Yeah, we need to have that discernment and we need to train our children to have that discernment because someday they're going to be making these decisions for themselves. You know, one an Correct. example that actually just came out this week because I love movies. My family loves movies. We love music. We love art. We go, I'm like, I'm the mom of five boys who goes to an art museum and we have a blast and they actually want mm-hmm. to go, you know? Correct. Um, and they're not all a bunch of like wimpy boys either. It's not like I have a bunch of mama's boys. So... Mm-hmm. Anyway, this week, my son, my oldest son, who just turned 18, by the way, which I think I mentioned last week, <laughs> he yeah. turned 18. So he's now officially like what people would say, he's an adult, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the movies on our list, so one of our things for, for our birthday traditions, which I think we've talked about, is that you get to pick a birthday movie. So right. he wanted to pick a birthday movie. He could pick anything he wanted to within reason. Mm-hmm. And one of the movies on his list was The Great Gatsby because he we read the book last year and oh, he's always yeah. wanted to watch the movie. And we're like, oh, that sounds interesting. Maybe we should watch The Great Gatsby. Well, I read the reviews on The Great Gatsby because I wanted to see, you know, like, what are we getting into? I mean, this is a book mm-hmm. about the roaring 20s and overindulgence. Mm-hmm. And I mean, right. just so many things that were just like, he's pointing out the hopelessness of it and the reason why it's not going to fulfill us. Right. But at the same mm-hmm. time, in order to do that, he has to show it to us. And so I'm like, oh, I don't know. So I read the reviews and basically it came down to, there's a lot of nudity in this film, you know? And I just said yeah. to him, I said, I don't know, dude, there's a lot of nudity in this film. And I said, I don't, I don't really want to see a lot of nudity. And he goes, I don't want to see any nudity. He's like, I think we need to pick a different movie. <laughs> I right. was like, all right. exactly if he'd said okay but i i don't think it's too bad i think we should still watch it you know i can't i could stop him obviously because he's still living in my house but i want him to come to those conclusions himself exactly okay this particular medium this particular art form of the message of the great gatsby probably better enjoyed as a book because you're Mm -hmm. not actually seeing the images that he's conveying right and that's what we want our kids to know like i was I was just listening to um, a talk on parenting and they were saying that one of the big misconceptions you have, if you're an authoritarian parent, which for sure I was the first half, you know, half of my kids younger years is that you think that your, your goal is to master your children's will when your goal is to teach your kids to master their own will. So we want our kids to be able to look at a book or look at a movie or listen to music and be like, this isn't good. Or, you know, there's, there's this in it, which isn't great, but the rest of this is awesome. Like you want them to be able to healthily with a biblical worldview, look at something in truth with the lens of scripture and say, this is worth my time or this is not worth my time. And I mean, we see evidence, like I've seen evidences of that where, you know, my 12 year old has come to me on her own and said, I got this book from the library, but I'm not going to read it. The whole thing is, is just, you know, about this, this girl has this attitude and and it doesn't resolve and, and all of this. And she's, she's doing this on her own, um, which is good. But, the thing is, too, just sort of going back to the idea that just because it's clean and Christian doesn't mean it's good. Um, and I don't know, maybe I told you about this, but I tell you about the book um, that I assigned her about daughters. 
Did I tell you this? No, I don't. I don't remember. Okay, the daughters. I was for so, some reason I was thinking of the other book that you got at like a book sale that she came to you and was like, "Mom, what, what yeah, are you doing?" Gone with the wind. Gone with yeah. the wind. That was. I was thinking of Gone with the Wind. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I assigned her this book. Uh, must have been last year. And so sixth grade, beginning of sixth grade, she, I give her this book, which was written by two daughters um, about basically about godly family relationships and, and everything. And like, it, it looked good when I looked at it and it was like, this would be good. You know, it's something different. It's, it would have been her first real, like, you know, this isn't literature. This is something you're going to learn from, you know? And I did not read, I did not pre-read this, um, to my own, to my own, um, you know, fault, but it worked out because she brought it to me. She was, it was like a weekend and she was, she was reading it and she brought it to me and she goes, mom, I don't think you want me to read this book. And I was like, um, I do actually, uh, but what's your point? And she said, she said, so, so far what the girls are doing now, this is my, uh, she was 11 at the time. She said, so far what, what the girls are doing is I think they actually hate girls who have bad fathers. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And sure enough, I mean, I look through and basically it was this prideful bashing of girls who were not raised by godly dads. And it was like, you're absolutely right. I don't want you to read this. Like we want our kids to get to that point. Like I want to be able to let her listen to the radio and to know when to change the channel on her own. I don't want to have to hold her hand the rest of her life and be like, hopefully when she gets out of the house, she doesn't just go wild. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I, I totally know what you mean about that. And it's interesting because that brings us back, right, to what we started to talk about last week, which was what makes good music good. Mm-hmm. So is this, I'm still is wondering where you want me to talk. <laughs> yeah, I want you to answer my okay. question already. I'm well, ready. It's <laughs> get a pen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so here's the thing. Okay, so... I have, I have different musical tastes than probably most people in, in the norm. Okay. Um, I'm not a big fan of most contemporary Christian music. Um, I do like, I enjoy city of light. I enjoy their songs. I haven't listened to all of them, but as far as like, I I won't listen to Hillsong. I won't listen to elevation worship. Like if you, if you listen closely, it's like, Oh my goodness, this is theologically inaccurate and self-serving. And so you have to be aware of all of these things, you know, that you take for granted because it sounds like they're just praising the Lord. Um, so we have this, this, realm of music where it's like, I would rather my kid listen to something secular than listen to something that they're going to like numbly go into because it's Christian and they're going to absorb it and come out the other side with like a me centered relationship with the Lord. If that makes sense. Um, it makes sense to me. So, okay. So, we all have we all have musical preferences, and I won't deign to try to influence other people in their preferences and tell them that their opinion is wrong. 
<laughs> because <laughs> that's what I like to do, you know? Um, mm-hmm. No need for that. We don't need to be like that. Um, but I would say that music is very similar to literature. So there are books we read where it's like, ah, I kind of liked it. It was okay. Or I love this book or, you know, this book sucked, but then we could all have a different opinion. Right. But we could all also agree on the same thing. Right. So you're not a big Charles Dickens fan. I am, but you and I would both agree that he was an influential, um, prominent literary figure who is, should be respected for his work. Absolutely. But our tastes, our tastes are different. So, so when, if I want to peel away all of what I want to say, which is you should like all the music I like, because what I like is the best. (laughs) Um, um, You have to look, you have to look at music the same way you look at everything else. I mean, we listen to, we listen to music that is a story, right? For all intents and purposes, it's a story. Um, it's a secular person, um, who, you know, is not claiming to be preaching any particular message. She's just singing about, you know, love or her childhood or something. Right. So Mm -hmm. read music like you read a book. I mean, to me, what makes good music is it's just as easy to look at the lyrics of a song and be like, Oh wow, that person's a really good writer as it is to look at a poem and be like, this person should not have been published. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like you can look at that and you can, you can evaluate those things. And I would say for the most part, you would be in agreement with most anyone who reads or listens to music. You know what I mean? Even though it might not be your particular flavor. If that, if that makes sense. So that's sort of a broad overarching answer. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, I, I still struggle with, well, what, what is it that music has that makes it good versus not good? Maybe goods is the wrong description. Like I think about, so one of the artists that my kids listen to is uh, 21 pilots and I'm not a huge 21 pilots fan, but over the last three years, I have grown to appreciate their work. Mm-hmm. And I do enjoy some of their music. Well, one of their albums, one of the things that got me to that point was my oldest son saying to me, mom, you got to listen to this one album from beginning to end and mm-hmm. listen to the progression and the story and how he's conveying all these things in a musical form. He goes, it's just really well done. It's really well done, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he's, and I realized he's analyzing music the same way he analyzes a literature book, right? Where right. he's going, right. what is the artist trying to communicate in this in this scenario and how is he doing it? And oftentimes when we just listen to the radio, we're listening to one popular track off of an album, you know, here and then a different artist with a different popular track off a different album here. And we're getting like Mm -hmm. smorgasbord little nitpicking things. Like we're getting a little piece of pepperoni and a little piece of cheese and a little cracker as opposed to getting like the entire pork roast, (laughs) you know, like, right. Oh, there's a huge thing going on here. And so you can have music on the radio that is decent when it's put together with the whole album that was, it was originally published with, I think. Yeah. But we have to, we have to learn how to look at it and then, or listen to it actually more specifically, right. Um, How Mm -hmm. to listen to it. And I don't, and I've often wondered like, well, what are some things I should be listening for when I'm wondering those things, when I'm wondering, Oh, is this good? 
music or is this not good music? Is this a good form, art form? Right. What are we listening for? Well, I think I think it's the same thing that you would look for in a book. I mean, like you're saying. I mean, I remember when you and I read Jaber Crow, and it's haunts me. I'm sorry, Wendell Berry has <laughs> killed me. I, I just I can't stand him. And and I think he's an amazing writer. I get it. Like I I actually enjoyed reading that book. I wanted to continue reading it. I wanted to finish it, and I wanted to discuss it. Okay, so it was not a this is the worst book I've ever read, and I don't, wish I didn't have to read it. It wasn't that. It was good, but his um, watching him unfold his sort of inconclusive, in the end, there is no real answer, was painful. So mm. I'm not going to hand Wendell Berry to somebody who's questioning whether or not there is a God. Here, you should read this. No, <laughs> I'm not going to do that, right? right? Like, um so we have these elements that sometimes there's a place for them and sometimes there isn't, right? So um, it's it's the same. I mean, I'm not going to, if if A.W. Tozier wrote a book on parenting, I would not read it, <laughs> okay? I mean, right. he wrote books on <laughs> prayer. That's great, <laughs> you know? Um, but like when we listen to the radio, and I guess I'm going to date myself here because I still think of certain things as being new music and they most certainly are not. Um, like I was, I remember, I remember sort of at the, um, it must've been in the early two thousands when there was sort of like this revamping of like a girl power, like in music, right? Like a lot of angsty girls singing about revenge on their boyfriend. Angry girl bands. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, you had like Avril Lavigne and you had, um, I don't even remember all their names. Okay. But Fiona Apple, I mean, who, by the way, I think is like incredibly talented. And sometimes I listen to her music and I'm like, oh, this is good. Is she a role model for me? Absolutely not. Okay. But like you have these elements and I remember the one song that comes to mind that was played on the radio over and over again. And everybody knew this song was the Carrie Underwood song where she's like, I dug my keys into the side. Remember? And she goes on about how she keys her boyfriend's car because she found out he was cheating on her. And I just I like, okay, <laughs> you're not missing out. I'm sitting, so, I didn't listen to the radio. <laughs> okay. So, this was like one of the most popular songs, right? With, um, in that, in that era, I don't remember what year it came out, but anyway, I want to say it was like, you know, 2002 or something anyway. And the whole concept of like a sort of a witchy girl, um, just taking out revenge on somebody that wronged her. And it was held up as like this, Ooh, this is what we've been missing. This, yes, own this, okay? And I feel like you get a real taste in a song that you hear on a radio. You get a real taste for who the artist is. And if you look back at her songs, the rest of her songs around the same time, okay? And of course, I didn't have this wisdom as a you know, however old I was back then, but I look back now and it's like, oh, this is the same album where she sings Jesus Take the Wheel. And if you think about it, and it's like, I'm sorry. So you had the wheel before, like you were the master of your own ship. 
and now you're graciously offering it to God in this moment, like, here, I'll let you try, kind of like the God is my co-pilot stickers. It's like, you're in the wrong seat, bud, you know? So it's you get, an, you get a sort of a feel for who is this person and what, what's sort of their MO. And I mean, I think that that happens. That being said, I've heard Bruce Springsteen songs on the radio that I think are absolute garbage, but his Nebraska album, hands down, just a classic. I mean, if you have not listened to his Nebraska album, you really need to. So that being said, we can't, yes, we can't know somebody fully just because they, you know, I mean, we've all said things we wish we hadn't. Theirs just got recorded, you know? So you have that element too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm just imagining, I'm just imagining, I'm picky. I'm picky about music. I'm picky. Like my kids have their own musical tastes. Okay, they like musicals, which is nice. So a lot of times they're listening oh, yeah. to like the soundtrack for Fiddler on the Roof, you know? And then Clara loves classical music. So a lot of times she's just listening to classical music or like piano versions of Billie Eilish songs. And I'm like, well, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know, you know? But like, but she's also, you know, you make conversations and it's like, well, how many songs of this have you listened to? Because have you read anything about her? Who is she? Like, what is she trying to convey to people? This is a powerful figure who is people are using as a moral guiding compass. So is this someone that you want to be associated with or that you want your thoughts to be leaning toward or that your brain goes to that song when you're in this mood, right? So like all of this is all like it matters, you know, but I don't think that I don't think that like what we were talking about earlier, the problem that we have in the church is that we're so focused on the morality image that is portrayed that we neglect the character. If that's, if that makes sense, like we need to let go of, well, I shouldn't say that we don't need to let go of our standards. We, I mean, we shouldn't have filthy mouths. Right. But we also, we also should be willing to understand that, you know, when I listen to whoever, Lucinda Williams, I mean, she's not claiming to be any sort of spiritual leader. She's not claiming to be a Christian in any way, shape, or form. So when I listen to her story written in music, it's all it is. It's a story, and she's a good storyteller. She's not, everybody likes her. She's a pretty rough person to listen to. She's unorthodox, but it's good. And I guess what this long belabored explanation is because that's what makes music good. They're a good storyteller or it's good because it's the psalm, right? I mean, not everybody likes listening to psalmody. I mean, I've heard many albums of, of people singing the Psalter and I'm going, well, it's too bad this is torture. <laughs> like, I can't listen to this because it's boring and I don't want to listen to this. I feel like I'm five years old in a ladies, you know, conservative foyer of a church in pencil skirt, mm-hmm. listening to people who reject music but will only sing rigidly. <laughs> like, I can't do that, you know, <laughs> even though it's the Psalms. The Psalms are good, you know. Anyway, that's true. So, see, I, totally I knew see I'd that. go it's, off the rails. You did this. 
<laughs> I did. I did it intentionally. But I was. It's interesting because music has such a power to communicate to us in ways that like literature can do, but not so efficiently. It's kind of like poetry. I'm convinced mm-hmm. that the best, the best novel writers are poets first um, because mm-hmm. they understand how to say a lot with a little, right? Yeah. And so music has that same sort of power that poetry can have and give you this feeling. And even music that doesn't have words, like we start our kids off of on music. Well, maybe not start, but as they age, we teach them Beethoven and Bach and and teach them how to listen to it and, Mm -hmm. and show them how the, the music, the actual instruments actually convey a specific feeling or action. Like one of my kids' favorite, things as a kid was uh, listening to Peter and the Wolf right and then mm-hmm. you hear the instruments in in that story he the narrator in that particular one you know tells you what all the little instruments mean and you're like oh yeah that makes complete sense and you start to connect to those instruments and right John Williams tells his stories and his his music that has no words right he does the music right for the background of Star Wars but as soon as you hear the little you're like oh I know which character is about to show up like you want right, to know exactly. what's about to happen because he's created these these pictures with music, which we couldn't describe with our eyes. We have to describe with our ears, right? And we have right. Exactly. It's the reason why I can't. I really, really enjoy Dizzy Gillespie's music um, mm-hmm. as a jazz musician, but I cannot listen to it for very long because it mm-hmm. gives me anxiety. It's just mm-hmm. like it's up and it's down and it's over here and it's and I'm like ah, oh, I can't settle. So I enjoy it when I'm doing something, but after like. 30 minutes, I'm like, I got to turn this off. I got to put on some Miles Davis yeah. or something. Something that's a little more calm. Right. 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 Well, yeah, and it does. It affects our emotions, right? Like I've seen videos where where people will play different classical music for their babies. And depending on the song, the baby will start crying. Because music induced, like it, it does, it induces this emotion in us. I mean, music is created by God, right? I mean, the angels were singing praises, right? Like, like we sing to God our worship. So music is, is very important, and it's, it's deeper, I think, than we even understand. I don't understand how that works, but it does, right? It's like even music without words, like you're saying, can instill a sense in you. You know what I mean? It's like right. the Jaws theme. Mm-hmm. It's like two notes, in just yeah, and that's paralyze people with fear. Exactly, and it's incredible, right? And <laughs> it's the reason why you play Vivaldi's Four Seasons during nap time for your children, you know, and not like Metallica or something, like mm-hmm. or the soundtrack to Jaws. <laughs> like you don't play Jaws' soundtrack when you're trying to sleep and rest, you know. But, but Four Seasons is really calming and relaxing, and just like this is a great, a great piece for that. Um, so you just right. kind of get to know that. And I guess exposure to all of it and then learning how to edit it out and saying, well, this is, we're going to listen to this, but there's some things I don't appreciate about it. Like we love musicals too, right? I mm-hmm. love musicals. Um, my kids love musicals. I can't think of a musical that we don't absolutely love. Now there's some that we've, that we've seen or, or listened to. And at first we're like, Oh, that's weird. I don't really like mm-hmm. that. But then as we've listened to it more, we've realized, well, actually this is really well done and we've learned to appreciate it. And uh, one of the musicals obviously is Hamilton. And that has some tracks in it that are inappropriate that have some swear mm-hmm. words and 
And a couple of them are inappropriate in the storytelling, right? For younger audiences. Now it, it fits in with the grand story of Hamilton, but I don't need to hear the track about him and what he did, his large mistake, one of his big mistakes that he made in his life over and over again to know it's still Mm -hmm. there. Right. 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 So picking that and saying, okay, well, we're going to listen to these particular pieces off of Hamilton. Even as we've all seen the musical or we've all listened to the whole thing, we've talked about the whole story. That doesn't mean I need to relive the the moments that brought him to repentance over and over again, any more than I need to relive my own moments where I failed. Exactly. Don't uh, write. What is, what is the quote? Um, God casts, God casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness and we're constantly going fishing. <laughs> like, like we don't need to keep drudging up our, our past sins, you know? Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, but yeah, I mean, music is, it's good. I mean, so one of the traditions we have is um, we listen to j- dinner jazz during, during supper time. <laughs> And nice. it's great. I mean, and it really sets the tone for the house. Clara hates jazz. Um, <gasps> she she does not like it. She does not want to hear dinner jazz. Um, that's okay. Uh, I mean, but it's just it's just funny. But I think she does have an appreciation for how it makes our family feel relaxed at the dinner table. Right, relaxed. You know what I mean? Now, is it is it smooth jazz you're listening to or? Yeah, it's pretty smooth. I mean, it's it's literally on Pandora. It's if you type dinner jazz, like it'll be oh, okay. it'll have it'll have some pretty classic like, you know, Ella Fitzgerald and Etta James and and um but most of it's instrumental and it it is it's just very calm. Like I don't like Yes, I would say the elements of jazz that I don't like are the all over the place saxophone and scatting. Don't like it. Gotcha. Don't want to hear it. You know what I'm See, saying? I'm not, That's just my yeah. taste. I'm not a huge fan of smooth jazz. I like the other kind of jazz, and I like blues more. I'm actually more of a blues mm-hmm. person. Does does uh, does Clara like blues? Have you introduced? She her likes BB King. I love BB King. He's awesome. Yeah, he's he's a classic. Yeah, so, I mean, it's really good. good. It's good. But the the um, what was I going to say? But the funny thing is, is like even thinking about that genre, like, I mean, we all know who Frank Sinatra was, right? right. I mean, yeah. not a great guy. But when we put on his CD in the car and we're all in a good mood and, it, and we're happy and it's sunshiny out and we're listening to Frank Sinatra, it's like, this is fun. I don't right. need to draw anything more out of this. Like... Nothing is going on that's going to plant any seeds of dissension toward the gospel, <laughs> right? It's <laughs> like, this is just fun. And and for me, like Christmas, you can't have Christmas without listening to Frank Sinatra. So there's that too. Christmas is not about Frank Sinatra, but I mean, who's not listening to Frank Sinatra at Christmas? Uh, my you. parents. My parents are not listening to Frank Sinatra okay. at Christmas. I grew up with uh, Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers at Christmas. Um, oh, which fun. I, I don't really like country music. So yeah. Well, as see, a that would be a wrong opinion. 
Yeah, I understand that. It, I mean, it just as it, it did horrify me when I was younger, but now as an adult, I'm like, whatever, you know, that's, that's their preference. Um, it's still not my favorite thing. I, you know, likewise though, I like to torment my kids by playing Elvis really loud and they have learned to tolerate Elvis, but they're not a huge fan of Elvis. And I'm like, you know what, you're wrong. And that's okay. Um, so, you know, we all have our, we all have our things, but again, we are, we are, uh, I'm going to have to pull you back my friend. Cause I think we're out of time again. I'm sort of hard to tell cause I went for my walk and now I have no idea what time it is, but it's been really, really fun to talk about music yes and hear all the things yes, oh and one okay so before we finish we got i'm gonna ask you one question it's a really short question okay oh boy i want to know as we're coming we're in lent right now which i'm we're not orthodox so we don't celebrate lent the traditional way we just remember that it exists um mm-hmm. but we do remember good friday in our household mm-hmm. and one of the things i do is i put together my good friday playlist right which yep. conveys a specific feeling and remembrance right a time of remembrance of what happened on good friday so my question to you is what one song can you think of that should be on everybody's good friday playlist this one is a sampling okay see me see me after hours if you would like a complete list <laughs> um I really like, and I'm not a big fan of a, like his sound isn't my favorite, but I know there might be a better version, but Fernando Ortega does a version of smitten, stricken and afflicted. Do you know that one? Stricken, smitten and afflicted. Yes, yes I do. Him. That one's okay. in my good Friday playlist. So I feel like it's I'm already right. in. Yes. <laughs> wow. That's awesome.